Let's do that hockey. Welcome to Dabber Prospects Report. This is report number 29. I'm Victor Nuno, one of the co-hosts here. And with me, as always, is Peter Harling. How you doing, Pete? Uh, doing not too bad, Victor. How about you, my man? Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. And I'm pretty excited about today's guest. We have one of the best, best in the business. That's what I'm trying to say. That is WHL prospect guru, Joel Henderson. He also is very in tune with guys that are younger than, than you know, that are really young. He's He's watching these guys from when they're you know 15 16 all the way up into draft eligible so he knows these guys like the back of his hand and it's really fun to get those impressions don't you think pete yeah for sure i mean joel's been on the show many times he's been on fancy hockey left a couple times to shop around you can't find too many guys who know whl players more intricately than than our boy joel does so i'm pretty excited to to get into that conversation for sure. And before we do that, we want to remind you that Dauber Prospects Report is a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. Very excited to be part of the Army of Fantastic Hockey Podcasts. Check out at HockeyPodNet for all the shows like this one, talking fantasy to team coverage to you name it. You can use the DraftKings promo code THPN for listening to the show. More on that in a bit. And the DPR show is proudly sponsored by Fantrax, where Fantrax is the ultimate league manager for your dynasty sports. It's completely customizable for however you want to set up your league, custom categories, amazing draft room, draft pick trading, treasury option, and so on. Use the promo code to sign up for a free league, fantrax.com forward slash DPR show. Uh, before we get into the show, though, Victor, uh, I want to just you know send out some, some positive vibes to our fearless leader, Daryl Dobbs, the uh, namesake of the podcast, the Dauber Prospects Report. and. Um, a couple of years ago, Daryl endured and succeeded in his battle with cancer. It was very, it was a very difficult and painful and challenging fight for him. And fortunately, he pulled through. But uh, we all got a gut punch recently when we found out that he's going to have to do it all over again. His cancer's come back, but he's done it before and he's going to do it again. It's going to suck for him. but. He knows that we're all giving him all our all our positive hockey gods vibes. And, you know, uh, it's going to suck for him, but we're wishing him all the best. And I, I would just add that if you appreciate any of the good content here, the Dauber Hockey Guide, the Dauber Prospects Guide, you know, send him just a message of encouragement. You know, it's it's always it's a nice thing to do. Obviously, there's not much we can do in terms of specifically for him but we wish him all the best and i think sometimes those positive vibes can really help so feel free to uh to tweet at him he sent out a message you can find that and you know reply to it i think all those little sentiments can be really helpful in a time like this and, and best of luck daryl we're all with you all right so getting back on course here with our chat about whl prospects i think it's about high time we brought on our guest joel henderson from hockey preps all right, so let's get to the talk about the WHL and some prospects who are off to a hot start in the dub. To do that, let's welcome back to the show our good friend Joel Henderson, former Dauber Prospects guy and current director of scouting with Puck Preps. Welcome back to the show, Joel. How are you doing, man? I'm doing really well, man. I'm always happy to talk about Western Canadian kids. It's, uh, it's a delight. 
Well, that works for us because that's what we're talking about today. And uh, I can't think of anyone who's more in tune with the players in the dub than you are. Season's just started. We're a couple of weeks in. Got a couple of guys who are off to some hot starts. And there's a, there's guys who are, are eligible for the 2024 draft, which, you know, is always a hot topic on this show, draft prospects. And it's it's a fantasy show. So there's also some guys who are drafted prospects and uh, and are off to great starts as well. And fantasy owners are going to be curious to see how their boys are doing or if guys are available in their leagues, if they want to target them. And so let's start with the draft eligible guys, if that's cool. Mm hmm. Um, so there's a couple players here that I'm, I'm really interested to pick your brain on. I have always been a huge Jerome McGinley fan. So let's, let's start there and talk about his kid, Ty McGinley. He's a forward with the Kelowna Rockets. He's off to a hot start. He's got 1.5 points per game, 10 goals in 10 games for 15 points with five assists to go along with it. Six foot 181 forward, kind of similar in stature to his dad, I guess. He was a first round pick in the dub draft in 2021, the ninth overall by Seattle and played last season with with the Seahawks on a loaded all star roster that went all the way to the Memorial Cup. And so as a rookie, I can only assume he got, you know, pretty limited ice time buried down on on a likely a fourth line getting getting small minutes. But he did manage to put up almost 20 points, 18 points in 48 games. So that's pretty respectable for for rookie scoring on a very good team. He also played at the U-17s last year as well for one of the Team Canada Colors and was a point-a-game player there. So this is a player who is not really currently ranked that high on a lot of early preliminary rankings. He's not a first-round pick in anywhere that I was able to see at this point. But is this a player you could see playing his way into that conversation through the course of the year if he's able to maintain a point-and-a-half game pace or anything close to that throughout the season? What's his game like? Oh, absolutely. I mean... So it's it's kind of hard for me because like I've I've been watching these kids for so long, right? Like I watched Tija Ginla play uh, when he was playing in the United States during like the 14U Nationals. It's been a long journey for him. And, and uh, the, the biggest thing about him that people will realize right away is how many skills he has. He has very, very good playmaking hands. He can kind of adjust and slip laterally as quick as anyone. He kind of baits one way, goes the other. He's very, very quick with it. And his hands match the speed of his adjustments. So he adjusts to his opponents quite a bit. The biggest thing that's always been things that have held him back from really like exceeding the next levels are things that are improving right now. His shot, his shot's improving. The way that he gets his shot off and he adjusts his angles, that's improving. And it, just his overall speed and explosion, that's, that's improving as well. I think when you notice him, when he isn't constantly adjusting and making people kind of guess which way he's going to go or how he's going to explode, that's how he makes his pace. But he doesn't naturally like, you know, he's not going to burst past you on the outside unless, you know, you've kind of given him a step or something along those lines. He's he's a he's a he's a good skater, like as far as propelling himself and making space that way. But it's way more about the tools in his toolkit. And so he's an exciting player because you never quite know what he's going to give you. And as far as like his positioning, his back checking, the way that he approaches angles, the way that he forces guys into turnovers, that's all there, too. So. He's a very, very well-rounded player. He's a very creative player. Um, he's more on the playmaking side than he is uh, a natural goal scorer, but that's coming too. I think he is somebody that you're going to see definitely moving up the rankings and uh, into that late first round spot. He's a player I, I've liked for a long, long time. I had him ranked, I think, fifth overall for the WHL draft. So I think he's someone that, yeah, 
I think you're going to hear his name quite a bit. But if if not that, like if not at the end of the first, like he's not going to be too far beyond that, simply because he's so unbelievably well-rounded. Good pedigree and bloodlines too. I mean, his dad's the stand-up character, so I'm sure the mm-hmm. apple didn't fall far from the tree there. What about the environment in Seattle? Is he a man on an island now? Did they graduate like everything? Well, he so he got traded to Kelowna in the offseason. So he got moved... Right. So he was in Seattle. I don't know the I don't know the ends of all whatever there, but I, I believe it was a trade that was asked for specifically because um, you know, his dad Jerome is gonna this is his last year, uh, you would assume coaching. Uh he's coaching his son Joe, who uh has just been drafted by the uh, Edmonton Oil Kings and but is playing his U eighteen in Kelowna, uh, where his dad is his coach. So Joe is in Kelowna, Jerome is in Kelowna, and then Tej got traded to Kelowna. So you, you know what I mean? So you'd imagine that it was a bit of a, you know, usually even players that get traded in their draft years, they might get a little bit more or beforehand, they might get a little bit more. And um, so I think it was a trade that was asked for and they just kind of facilitated it. But so he's been kind of operating. There's been times he's been playing with Andrew Crystal now that uh, now that Crystal is or at now that they have um, shoots back. They've been kind of rolling the lines. He's been playing with another player that they had acquired in a trade as well. So TJ has been kind of thrown around. He's played a little bit of the slot on the power play. He's played a little bit of the half wall that I've seen. So uh, opportunity, the wazoo. And, uh, and that's kind of what he was looking for, I think. Nice. Well, he's a player that I'll be keeping a close eye on and he'll probably be on my uh, my fantasy draft list. Uh, <laughs> next next draft when it comes around. So let's move on because we've got a lot of, lot of ground to cover. Uh, Tanner Howe is a forward with the Regina Pats. So you probably are quite familiar with him. That's your neck of the woods, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. He's uh, 1.58 points per game, specifically eight goals and 11 assists for 19 points in 12 games. And this was, these are numbers as of when we prepped for the show um, on October 22nd. So Tanner, uh, he's a 5'10", 181 forward. He's the captain of the Regina Pats. So, you know, I like seeing players with a letter on their jersey. I think that carries some weight. He was a, a fourth round pick by Regina in 2020. Fourth round or fourth overall? I think I might have that wrong. Fourth, no, fourth round. He was a fourth, fourth round, round pick. Okay, yeah. so a bit of a sleeper there. Um, so he's a late November born. This guy's got 151 career WHL games played and 175 points. That's a career average of just over a point a game, 1.16. So this this production isn't an out-of-nowhere explosion like some of the other guys we'll be talking about. He uh, he was great at the Holinka with Gretzky, uh, at the Gretzky Holinka with Canada as well. Two goals, two assists for four points in five games. And you might have had some influence on this. The future considerations ranking has him in the first round, uh, 25th in their early rankings. So obviously you're seeing him as a, as a first-round prospect here. Uh, if not close, like I think it's it's hard to say that the biggest thing that we've kind of seen from him is that you've gotten to see him play that, I don't know, the quote unquote, play with elite players, right? So on the Regina Pats, where they had guys like uh, Sustalov, you know, a drafted forward on their team as well, that Tanner Howe was easily the best fit with Connor because of his IQ, because of his, you know, one touch ability, his ability to shoot off puck. He's got a really hard one timer slap shot. Uh, from the right side. So he has, he's a complimentary winger. He's not a guy that necessarily drives play all by himself, but when you get him into spots where he can be a difference maker, his hands are very good. He's a highly intelligent player. Um, you know, there's, there's players that I think are like him 
in the first round. I, I'm a bit leery on him right now, not because just simply because of the uh, the explosion in his skating and and but I think he's gotten a bit of puck luck so far this year. But I don't think he's going to be too far in there. He's a top two round player for sure for me. Um, it's just kind of where he falls in that line. He could go as he could go certainly go in the first round, or he could kind of drop into the second. I think that's kind of where I'm at right now with him. But he's a player that's easy to like, especially if you have play driving centermen. If you have somebody that can really transport the puck like Bedard was doing, because all he does is waits in the wings, makes great passes into the interior, and can hammer a shot. So uh, he's somebody that has kind of those real nice complementary tools. So am I hearing this right? You're thinking that he's got like maybe not superstar upside, maybe a lower ceiling, but a high floor, like a reliable player, but not a game breaker. Well, it's it's so his it's not the pace that sets him apart, right? Like he's not a guy that's always hard in on the forecheck, that's always pressing or physical or any of those sorts of things. He's not really that guy. He's a possession forward. He's a possession style forward, so he can make plays in very tight spaces. He can, one of the things he's really improved on this year that I've seen is, is curling away from pressure along the boards when he needs to separate left and right and really kind of get people to chase him a little bit enough to make a play back to the point or maybe a pass into the interior. He's gotten a lot better at that. Regina is a team that, you know, they lost a big amount of talent last year, right? Like they lost Sustalov, they lost um, Bedard, and they lost Fozel. So this is a team, and they just traded away late in Feist. So they've lost a lot of kind of talent, but they've been competing and they've been really competing. And I think, you know, there's games where they're being outshot like 40 to 20, but they're winning four to three and how ends up with, you know, two points, like a goal and assist kind of on the effort. So when you get him into those spots, he's scoring. It's just, you know, he's not getting as many opportunities, obviously with Bedard there, but he's getting more puck touches, um, able to kind of shoot on the one timer, but teams are expecting it now. So they're really kind of leaning over to his side. So he's got, he's, uh, he's using more of his playmaking ability, which he has. So it's just, he's a one touch winger. He's very smart. Put him with a play driving centerman and he's, he's good to go. It's interesting when you see players in their, in their second or third year in, in junior after playing with guys that graduate to the NHL or to the pros and they become the guy. And it's interesting to see if, if they're able to rise to the occasion and, and take the mantle or if they've reached their, their crescendo and that's his, you know, they, they need the insulation. Uh, so we'll, we'll see which, which way this goes for some of these guys moving on Ryder Richie forward with the Prince Albert Raiders, 1.45 points per game to start the season, specifically 16 points through 11 games, seven goals, nine assists, a nice little balance there. He's a six foot 174 forward. And he scored 20 goals, 55 points in his rookie season to be the, the WHL rookie of the year. That's a nice little feather in his cap. He was a standout at the Halinka just recently where he had nine points, uh, three goals in five games with Canada. So he currently looks like a slam dunk first round pick kind of guy. Could he play his way inside the top 10 maybe or in the first half of the first round of the draft? I don't think so. I don't think he goes quite that high. I think he's more of a guy that goes later first for me. Um, but you're right. Like, I think his numbers and his production kind of spell very typical guys that end up going in those types of ranges. Um, Ryder, Ryder was a bit of a late bloomer as far as his size. Uh, for people don't know, his his dad was a former NHLer, Byron Ritchie. And so he's got, you know, the, the pedigree of an NHLer as well. And his dad's been very, you know, instrumental in his development too, coaching him throughout different levels. Um, so Ryder is one who, because of his physical maturation, because of him growing from like 
five, eight and sprouting up to that six feet and finally getting that bit of extra strength and stuff. It really helped round out his game. He's, he is not the quickest player in the world. He's not slow, but he he's not a guy that, that sets the pace all the time too. He's just smart with it. So when he kind of curls off the half wall, when he, when he, he, he always wants to drive to the middle of the ice. That's the thing. He really wants to get to shooting spaces and shooting lanes. And so on team Canada, if you, if people watch the Halenka, there was times when you might not have noticed him, but when you did, I bet he was in a spot where he could score. Like he was curling into those moments off puck. He was trying to sneak back door. He's trying to really do all those things that kind of get those, those goals. And when he gets to those spots, he does have a really good shot. Um, it's got a, it's got a nice release to it. It's accurate. He changes the angle on it. There's a lot of good stuff there to like. So he's a, he's a kid that's just really well-rounded. Like I, I think a lot of, you know, I, I do think of someone like a Tyler Toffoli, that guy that's not the speediest out there, but intelligent player and plays really well. Um, I don't know if he has the, you know, the speed or necessarily the grit that I've seen, but he's just, he's a really just well-rounded player. He plays smart. He's on a PA team where he's got a guy named Sloan Stanek who often just drives the offense forward and he can kind of slip into those, um, you know, those shot lanes and stuff, but uh, he's improving. He's finding ways to kind of improve his stock too. And I think, I think the points are just going to be steady throughout the year. I don't think we're going to see any like highs and lows. I think he's just going to be a steady point producer throughout the year. And there's teams that are just going to really like the fact that he's really, really well-rounded and he can finish. Like he's a nice finisher. There's a lot of guys that made a pretty good living off of knowing when to find the sweet spot and step into it at just the right time. Right. You you can make a good living doing that. Uh, Byron Richie doesn't seem that neither does Jerome McGinley like these guys that are not that far removed from the NHL having kids kind of carbon dating us a little bit here isn't it making me feel old all right there's, there's more again was coming and and his daughter and Jerome's daughter is a hell of a hockey player too so um, I heard. I heard, it's, yeah. it's uh you know not bad no good bloodlines there Okay, Berkeley Catton, forward with the Spokane Chiefs, 1.5 points per game, 12 points through eight games with six goals and six assists. So a 50-50 production there. A little undersized, 5'11", 163. And he's got uh, 23 goals and 55 points in his rookie season last year after being the first overall pick from the WHL draft. And he kind of torched the Halenka eight goals and 10 points in five games. So two points a game at the Halenka tournament recently led the tournament in goals and points. Not bad. He's currently not ranked outside of a top 10 pick anywhere that I've been able to see. So this guy looks pretty, uh, pretty legit from a, from a stat line point of view, looking at the stat line isn't always a telltale of a player's potential. Uh, so Joel, is this a player you can see translating this to the pro level? And he, are we are we seeing a a reliable NHL fantasy asset here? Yeah, I mean he's he's about as steady as you can kind of get. He's you know his game has improved a year after year since I've watched him. You know even when he was playing in his WHL draft eligible year, he was like you kind of nailed it on the head. I think you know this the sense of like how does he get better, right? So how does he improve? How does he take the next step in being that next better player? It's just constantly tweaking those elements, getting better in certain spots. And you just wish he was six foot three. Like if he was six foot three, he'd be better. Like that's, that's about it. Cause there's some moments where he's trying to make a play and it's so close. It's so close for him being able to extend and push along the outside, but they just get a stick on it. But the thing is, is he's such a well-rounded player that he circles back. He, you know, he, he supplements his positioning. Um, 
you know, he attacks defensively. He's he's a really solid, well-rounded player. Like think of those players that maybe don't quite have that that one C superstar potential. Like that that don't quite have that, but they're so good and so well-rounded. Like your Nico Heischers, you know, your guys like that, where they end up being just a really elite uh, number two centerman for you, and like that. If you have a if you have a centerman who's better than Berkeley Catton on your NHL roster, awesome. If he's your number two center, then you've kind of got the mold for a potential championship run. I, that's how I kind of feel about him. I think he's really good. He's got a very strong shot. He changes his angle. He loves to shoot back against the grain. His edges are fantastic. His balance, his flow. Like he's been the best player in this draft. And I, I don't know that anyone from the dub is going to take him over. There's some guys that are big and fast and strong, or whatever, but he's just, he's so well-rounded. I'm going to sneak one more guy in here, a guy who I'd never heard of before basically today. <laughs> I don't even know how to say his name correctly either. I mean, you could you can correct me here. Tariq Parasak, right wing with the Prince George Cougars. Guy's got over two point per game pace right now. He's been the WHL rookie of the week. I think every week we're about three weeks in. He's won it three times. Uh, yeah, I think there's been one week he didn't win it or maybe two. But yeah, like not not bad. A hat trick three or four three weeks in for rookie of the week. That's pretty yeah. good. So he's got 25 points in 12 games, including 15 goals. Some guys don't score 15 goals in a season, and he's got it in a dozen games already. 5'11", yeah. 174. So the reason why I've never heard of this guy is because he's come from nowhere. He's got like zero pedigree. He played in high school last year with a four-game cup of coffee in the WHL where he had zero points. So on no one's radar there. Uh, he was a fourth-round pick, 78th overall by Prince George a couple of years ago. I guess you're, yeah, that would have been two years ago. There's a, a year in between before they, because you guys draft younger there. Yeah. Is this a mirage or is this something that's sustainable? I mean, you've been, you've got a little bit more context on him than, than the 12 games that we've seen this season. So is this something that you kind of thought, oh yeah, I could see this guy exploding? Or are you like me? Like, who the heck is this guy? In the WHL draft year, my first year of joining Puck Preps and doing kind of those rankings, I did a top 110 players. And uh, Tarek was was uh, just outside of that. He was an honorable mention basically at the start of the sixth round on mine. My assessment of him was that his potential was super high, um, but his skating, like his balance, his explosion, kind of the all of that stuff to create space on his own, it needed a lot of work. And so it was like, if he fixes that, if he kind of gets that to the point where he can play even at like, you know, average WHL pace, I think he's going to be a good player in a top six. But it's going to take a lot of work. And he did the work. And so his skating, you know, it's not, once again, you know, he's, he's not the best skater out there. He's not the most balanced. He doesn't, you know, explode out of his turns and explode out of his reach, but he's smart. He's very, very smart. And he's always kind of had that, that puck touch and that smart positioning. He's in a spot right now where it's perfect for him. Um, he's on a line with Zach Funk, who is, a, I'm a huge fan of, and uh, Andre Becker, who I am also a big fan of. These are two players, they're 20 and 19. He's able to just kind of sit on the right wing. He doesn't have to drive pace. He has to complement it. And he's so good at it. Um, like we talk about Tanner Howe being that guy that just touch pass the right time, the ability to just sense if I drag this for a half second and then propel it towards the net. Like all of those little things he knows. He's so smart with his with the way he, he manipulates his reach. And then when he's not doing any of those things, when he's not drawing any of the possession or any of the pressure, He's sitting back door. He's getting to good spots. He's tapping in pucks on the back end. Like they have him on the power play. Uh, last I watched him, he was on the power play as a net front, like 
side of net guy. So all he needed to do was like get inside position, continue to. And so all of those things he's doing extremely well. The big, I think the biggest thing this year for how high he goes, because his skill set, like he doesn't have a rocket of a shot. He doesn't have, he's not the fastest player on his skates, but he's so smart. Like it's a weird balance. And I think he's going to give evaluators a bit of fits this year on how high to put him. Um, and I think you're going to see some differing opinions on him. But as far as the pedigree, I mean, yes, he was, you know, a fourth round pick. And yes, he took a lot of time and yes, he, whatever, whatever. But, you know, for, for example, like a lot of kids, especially if they're not first or second round picks, um, they'll wait and, you know, they won't come to the WHL until their draft eligible year. So they'll get sent down to U18. And so he was playing in the top prep league uh, in, in U18. And I think he was a leading scorer, if not second, I think he was a leading scorer in the league. So even in that league, like he's putting up points, like he is. And he's opportunistic, I guess, is the word that I would like to say, where it's like, you know, those moments where you just want a player like grip and shoot. He does those moments where you're like, ah, see the lateral pass. He sees it like those little touch moments, those very important team style puck. Like there's a little bit of space on that short side. Shoot. He does like and so even when he's missing these points, even when he's doing it, like there's opportunities and he's creating opportunities. So, you know, if you add it all up, He's on a line with two guys that drive possession extremely well. He's an extremely smart player and he gets to play on a power play with Riley Height and Cohen Zemer and uh, guys that were high draft picks last year. Everything is set up for him to be a high end complimentary player the way he is. And he's just showing beautifully. So it's, he didn't have the WHL um, time because they had like other guys that they were trying to work into the mix. They were fine with keeping him down in U18. And now he's just, so good. That's a lot. That's a lot of information to process. Yeah. So I would say points are a bit hyped, but don't lose sight of him either. So it's we'll see. Yeah, kind of the the strengths and weaknesses you you talked about reminded me a little bit of, of Jason Robertson, where you know he skated terribly for his first couple of years in, in the OHL, but by the time he aged out, he was leading the league in scoring, and he figured it out for the pro level. And what's translated for him was his his smarts and the the way that he can think and pace the game. And and when he gets a chance, like you were saying, if you see the shot or you see the pass, take it. And he's the guy that does. Robertson doesn't miss those opportunities, and he gets a chance. He just he just needs a a half a second and a half a bit of space, and he'll he'll do something smart with it. So it sounds yeah. like that's similar to what you're describing with uh, well, and even Arishak like, here. And one of the things that I like, I want to say about him too is, is uh, you know, the last guy that I remember that came in in a rookie year and started to really put up a lot of points and play a really smart role was Adam Beckman. Like Beckman didn't play, you know, WHL until his draft eligible season, and he came in. I think he had sixty two and sixty six, and then it wasn't long after where he had a season where he led the WHL in scoring. So it does happen. Like there's there there's those times where guys drive play right. So, um, um, so yeah, I would say that he is one. <laughs> That I think everyone is putting an asterisk on. And uh, I think at this point in time, uh, I think everyone is saying like, I don't know that he's as good as he's showing, but also put the asterisk and say, I don't think he's as bad as he could. like it's it. There's a, there's a range there. And I think, you know, people will start to figure it out and you'll take your, your kind of edge with it. But, um, but he's just so smart. Like he's so smart and opportunistic. Light the lamp with DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. 
That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. All right. Well, time to move on over to some of the guys that have already been drafted. And so those are the guys that I'm going to ask you about. The first guy is Andrew Cristal. And we have Cristal at 21% Fantrax roster ship. There was definitely some perceived value for this guy going 40th overall in the 2023 draft to Washington, 5'10", 167 pounds. So far, he has done nothing but kind of reinforce that opinion of him maybe being a value there. 2.3 points per game so far for Crystal, 16 assists, 7 goals for 23 points in 10 games. That's easy point per game math right there when it's 10 games played. Uh, although I'm embarrassed to say I wasn't thinking straight and I still put it in the calculator. So <laughs> let's not dwell on that. He's leading the team in points by four over Tejaginla that you guys just talked about. And I know that when we talked on Fantasy Hockey Life, Joel, we were talking about there was there was some perceived two-way questions with Cristal that, you know, not the biggest guy, you know, maybe not the, the best two-way, but, you know, really good offensively and I wonder if any opinions have changed on him thus far this season and kind of what have you seen from him so far? Everyone knew he could score, you know, like that wasn't the, that wasn't the thing. I think when I've talked to people, um, especially about some of the players that maybe slipped in the drafts and slipped in the slips in the draft every year is, is this the guy that helps you win a championship, right? It's not, is this guy going to be a good player? Is this the guy that's going to push you through the playoffs? That's the thing that maybe lets these guys slip a little bit. So for Andrew Crystal, you know, there were times last season and same this year where Bologna's putting up a lot of points and they maybe still lose. And, you know, and so it's it's about not only being that offensive superstar who can produce, but shutting down the other offense as well. I mean, you know, we're seeing those kind of storylines go back and forth over the last few years too, right? Like, you know, we saw Alex Debrinkat ship to Ottawa and everyone goes, what a steal. And then he didn't have the season you did. And everyone goes, oh, is he the guy that we think he is? And now he's in Detroit and he's got seven goals or something so far this year. So the perceived value on these players is is um, always going to be very different in the NHL due to size and, and you know, their skating explosion, all that stuff. But his small ice manipulation, the way that he sees the game, the way he thinks the game is still really elite. The biggest thing, which I, I've talked about as well, is that you just need a very specific kind of play driving center to play with him. You need somebody that can cut through layers, that somebody can kind of skate through a bit that uh, that understands how to set him up in certain moments. And Kelowna had that last year. You know, they had that in Gabriel Stutz, and he's back again playing with him. So, you know, I would expect him to just put up more points. But I don't think it answers the long-term questions. It's just a wait and see. He's got a huge ceiling. Everyone knows that. It's just uh, for fantasy hockey, he's a lot more he's a lot more relevant, I think, than uh, to people who are, you know, making their teams. Yeah, I wonder if Washington goes out to try to acquire that player. I'm not sure if they have that player or will have that player in the organization when the time comes for Cristal. I don't know if you have a thought on that, but maybe they target someone in this draft. Yeah, I mean, it'll, you have to have it. Like, you know, in, in order to get the best of him, you have to have it. So I would imagine that they've kind of thought through those scenarios. I think it's just at that point in time in the draft, there just hits a point in time where some team goes, okay, we have to take him. And and Washington was that team. So, and I think it was the same way in, in uh, you know, in drafts as well. Like I was in a bunch of fantasy leagues where I was curious where he was going to go. You know, how high were people going to commit on him? And some he went right away and some he slipped uh, a little bit later. So maybe Ryan Leonard will become that guy. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> 
let's talk about the next guy that I have queued up for you, and that is Jagger Furcus, 21% fan tracks roster ship. All these guys pretty lowly rostered, kind of interesting. He went 35th overall in 2022 to Seattle, 5 ton, 154 pounds, still very slight. He's a right wing for Moose Jaw, and yeah, the Kraken drafted him. I mentioned that. So 10 games so far, also easy math, 10 goals, 10 assists, 20 points. Easy two points per game there. Nice. Thank you for um, making me do math. And leading Moose Jaw in scoring over the next guy we're going to talk about, Braden Yeager, although he is a year older than Yeager. And... I know we've talked about Furcus in the past and, you know, having that really great shot. It seemed like he, I mean, I could interpret this potentially as, you know, not taking the biggest step in his D plus two season. I mean, he increased his points, but not by a ton. I think that was maybe slightly disappointing last year, but so far off for a really good start. So what, what can you tell us about Jagger Furcus? Uh, same things I've been saying about him. I think he plays his role really well. Um, he's another guy like, like Andrew Crystal, where he doesn't do all the things, but what he does is extremely, extremely good. He's so smart. The way that he spins and like picks pucks and collect pucks off the board to feed to like streaking centermen, uh, his outlet passes. And then once you get him into the offensive zone, he's just, he's ridiculously smart. Like he's like, it's, it's so, it's so satisfying to watch him because of how efficient he is. Like I'm watching him rip one timer slap shots from the left side. Like, unless Jaeger can really kind of step in and stride into that shot, Jagger Furcus has a better shot than he does from all from all places. It's more accurate. It's more diverse. Um, he can pick corners and stuff, too. Like, so I'm a huge fan of Jagger Furcus. He's another guy that you do need a specific kind of player in the center to kind of drive and and hide those kind of spots for him. It was kind of a bit of like how I was um, going through the draft last year. One of the things that I like to do is just imagine two guys swapping teams. So it's like, let's swap Nate Danielson and uh, Braden Yeager. Let's put them on each other's teams. Um, what would that do for Jagger Furcus? And I think since Nate Danielson is such a great possession transition forward, Furcus would have, you would have seen what you expected from Furcus as far as the points. I think it would have been electric. Jaeger, I still think is more of a, more of a winger than he is a, tr a transition centerman. So I think there's times when, when Moose was getting hemmed in their own zones and it was just because they couldn't quite transition. They'd give the puck away or whatever. But when I looked at what Jagger was doing, he's doing his job. So the biggest thing from everybody is his explosion, right? Like, so he's not the biggest guy. I think he's bigger than 154 now. He's been talking about putting on muscle. You can see he's got a lot of like really lean strength. That's just always the ticket for him is, um, is, but I like him in the same ways that I like uh, Matthias Michelli. Like, I just think it's going to work. I just believe it's going to work for, for Fergus. If it like, if it doesn't work for one team, give him to another team and it's just going to work. He's way too smart. He's way too good of a possession player. He's got way too good of a shot that if you need to hide him a little bit within your possession, you can, because he has all the abilities to overcome it. So I'm still a massive fan of the kid. And, uh, you know, time will tell, but you know, I'll, I'll eat all the socks if he doesn't work out. I just believe that he will. Nice. Well, I, I, for one, hope you don't have to eat any socks. I, I hope <laughs> it works out too. Yeah. That's a good point about, I love the exercise too, of like, yeah, let's switch these guys and imagine what would happen. And, and sometimes people will think, oh, high end, you know, players, it, you know, they're interchangeable, but yeah, obviously Jaeger and Danielson are not the same and to hear more about that let's just go right into talking about Braden Yeager because he's also in that 20% roster ship he was taken 14th overall uh to uh, for Pittsburgh just in this recent draft six foot hundred what is he 170 pounds 
And he, you know, plays for Musha also. And he is currently nine assists, eight goals, 17 points in nine games. So doing really well. Also, as we talked about just a little bit uh, behind Furcus. And I, I remember when you were on the show, you talked about there were a lot of people saying how Jaeger was, you know, maybe this this two-way guy. And he, you know, he could be like a good transition center. And I remember you pushed back on that at the time. And based on what you just said, <laughs> coming all the way to yeah, he he might not even be a center, right? Maybe he's just a winger, and so that that might be a miscast there. Um, so yeah, tell us what you've been seeing so far from Jaeger this season. Yeah, I, I just I've always seen him more as a winger. I mean, he's an off puck shooting winger. Um, when he handles the puck too much in transition, I think there's there's still some. If he's going to be a center, like I was, I think there's just some decision making still that I think he can improve on, which is a good thing. I mean, it's nice to have a dual threat guy, but like I, I just think. He's an off puck gripping and ripping shooter. Like when he steps into stride from the wing, that's his best skill. Um, so I don't know why you would want him to be setting up other guys. Like his playmaking improved a lot last year, but the reason that his goal scoring went down is because they were, I think they were really pushing that improvement from him and truly trying to cast him as that that like two way centerman to maybe get more value or whatever the case. But to me, the value is in his shot. The, the value is him being able to score from the outside score on the power play when he gets close enough that he can just, he can paint that top corner. It, it, he's, it's always been his best skill. And so when I talked about like, you know, swapping them around, it's like, you know, what if you traded Nate Danielson for Jagger Furcus? Would Nate Danielson be a better centerman for moving Braden Yeager to the wing? Yeah. Like I think Nate Daniels is, you know, he's the kind of guy that improves both of their play because of transition, um, because he can help transition the play and then it helps shooters shoot. And so I, I, I like Braden Yeager. I think um, I'm not sure if he, you know, I think he maybe went slightly higher than I would have taken him, but he's a good player. He's a solid player. I just think that people, I think he has been a little bit miscast. I, my, my, I think probably, you know, there's never any definites, but I think probably once he gets to the NHL level, you'll probably see him transition more to being a, a shoot for swinger if they have the, if they have the um, players within their team to to allow him to do that. One thing I was curious about with Jaeger was when Pittsburgh was up, I was kind of thinking, you know, are they going to take someone who is pretty close to NHL ready so he could, you know, maybe get to the team right away and play with Crosby Malkin, you know, that kind of thing. I wasn't so sure that was really the case with Jaeger. It seemed like he did pretty well at camp, but I wonder what your thoughts on that. Do you think he's someone who, like, could in the NHL really soon or is he still probably got a ways and maybe maybe that wasn't what they were going for there no I think like as far as pacing and as far as the physicality and kind of getting into plays like he has stuff to work on but his pacing's not the issue right so he would have been able to go into camp and, and battle hard showcase his shot be able to do that I think you're right like I think if they're talking about timelines I'm sure in that Pittsburgh draft room they, they were being like we want to lead towards somebody who can come in and and be an entry level player for us and provide that youthful spark. Um, especially, you know, if, if he is fitting into a, a series where they want to see if somewhere down the line, he, his shot can be used, you know, with Malkin on a second line or something like that, you know, somewhere near the end too, I think, you know, it makes sense. I hadn't thought too much about that. I kind of wonder what they were doing about that, but that makes sense too. I, I think there's probably, there's, that's probably, uh, there's probably a bit of truth in that. Yeah, although if they were in the camp that he could be a transition center, then uh, they may be waiting a very long time. So <laughs> uh, that seems like it might not happen. So it depends on how they use him. But yeah, let's. Uh, it'll be fun to watch and see how they 
try to develop Jaeger and, and what opportunity he gets. Let's move on to the last guy that I have, and that's Luca Cagnoni. And he was, he's a very interesting player. He's a 6% rostered on fan tracks. I don't know what all these leagues are doing on fan tracks, not rostering Cagnoni, because he's a pretty, <laughs> he's a pretty fun guy. I know he went 123rd overall to San Jose. That was pretty late. And he is five foot nine, but 183 pounds. He's pretty thick. And he plays with Portland Winterhawks and 1.83 points per game so far. A couple of goals, 10 assists for 12 points there. And yeah, I kind of alluded to it. Even though he is short, he doesn't really play small. I got to watch him a little bit at the Prospects game in San Jose, you know, playing against some much bigger and stronger guys. And the skating was evident. The playmaking was evident. And the physicality was something that impressed me. He didn't back down from any of those bigger dudes. And that was pretty cool. And he's off to a pretty good start with Portland. So, Joel, tell us about Cagnoni. Uh, I mean, Portland's a workhorse. I mean, I think, like, I think they've, I don't know. I don't know if they've let up more than two goals in a game so far this season. I don't think they have. I don't know if they've lost. Uh, I'd have to double check. But um, they're, he's a great player. And he's very easy to like. The biggest thing about Cagnoni that I was wrestling with all year um, which you which you do with these kinds of players is that like he's not, you know, he's not six foot and have to add strength. Like you said, he's five nine, maybe five ten on a good day. And um, and the the there are many areas of the ice where Cagnoni dominates play at the WHL level. When he doesn't, is off the cycle uh when play is established in his own end. So when he's caught along the boards, guys out muscle him. You know, he's smart about it. He does. He's a, he's a very smart player. So he tried to, he tries to like figure it out um, in any way that he can. Um, but he does get mess. He does get muscle off pucks down low. So he's someone, I think, you know, if people are kind of familiar with him, I, I, I was trying to really understand his, his growth potential based around someone like Kalen Addison. Um, but Addison even has a little bit more size on him too. So, and Addison's coming to that period of time where he's either, put in a spot where he can really be offensive or he's, you know, kind of a healthy scratch too. And so that's kind of a player that I always envisioned with him. I didn't think, you know, lots of people had lots of the online people had Gagnoni in their first round. I didn't think so. I thought, you know, I figured he would go in somewhere in the third, maybe top of the third. Uh, he ended up dropping to the fourth and it's just, it's, it has to do with that. It has to do with the size It has to do with um, his, his ability to shut down players down low off the cycle, play that heavy defensive game. Um, he's extremely smart. He's got a, great slap shot his edges are fantastic he you know deceives people well in motion he's got a great outlet pass he you know he, it's it's really hard not to like the player but it's just it's is he going to be able to be strong enough to be an everyday nhler and that's the whole game now and so if you're luca cagnoni it's hit the gym hit the gym hit the gym and uh i'm cheering for him too like like you said it's it's hard not to cheer for him but i think I think teams were a little bit scared, um, wondering if he wasn't quite going to have the strength to be able to to make a positive impact on a championship team. Yeah, and I, I would, you're right. I mean, from from what I saw too, he definitely, if he can get in there quick and play and make a stick play, you know, move the puck quickly, he's good. But if he has to battle, and it's a prolonged battle, he's going to lose it uh, most of the time. Yeah. And so that's that's usually what. It, and there were some huge prospects at that camp, like six three, six four guys, and he was doing his best, but like he he wasn't. He wasn't winning that puck. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's and like at the WHL level too, like, you know, there's when people are talking about like the new styles of defense where it's just like kill the play early, you know, attack them in motion, see where they're going to attack, like angle them off, poke the puck away. There's so many ways that you can kind of kill that that possession early. 
And Luca does that as well as anybody. I think when he, when he is physical, my favorite thing about him is when he knows when he's matched their timing, when he sees their entry angles, when he can see that they're, that they are, you know, wanting to attack and he's got that angle on him. That's when he hits because the player isn't fully in their, you know, spread form. He can knock them off the puck and he does so in motion um, defending the rush, which is something I really like about him, but it's just when he's down low in his play, you know, being muscled off those things. He's doing everything he can. He's, he's as smart as a player can be to do all those things to get over it. So um, he's just easy player to like, easy player to cheer for high upside as, as you know, as far as the offense goes. So he's a player in the fantasy world that he's worth more than he is in the NHL world, but he's a player that could make it. And a lot of people will be shouting. I told you so's um, if, and when that day comes. So. All right, Joe, we got one last one for you. And uh, as the res- resident Red Wings super fan here, I'm a little apprehensive uh, after talking to you in our pregame interview here, but that's uh, we want to talk about Nate Danielson, six foot one, 187 pound center, uh, 27% fan tracks ownership. Uh, the red, he had a, you know, he excelled in the preseason and training camp. He looked good. Red Wings kept him around a little longer than probably should have. He had two goals, two assists and five preseason games, but they returned him back to the Wheat Kings. I think it's safe to say outside of David Reinbacker in the top 10 picks, he was probably one of the most, uh, more surprising picks. Uh, people didn't think he'd be going that low, but what are your thoughts on him as far as his play work ethic and leadership skills, which I think something Stevie Y really values. What do you think that is? And what's his timeline? Once again, with not knowing the rest of the draft class as well as I could have, he is somebody that I thought went a little bit higher than I was anticipating too, but it, it goes for all the reasons that you talk about, right? Like it's hard to get those transition, good quality, you know, centermen like that. It's just the fact that he went, you know, ahead of somebody like Zach Benson or something like that, that everybody had that big question mark, right? But but finding that that dependable, uh, long strides, smart, good hands, 6'3", you know, centerman that can help transition plays. I mean, he's worth quite a lot, you know, in that regard. And so, because those kind of guys, they don't come along all the time. Um, there are ways that he that he still needs to improve his play as far as his anticipation. I think... When you watch him transition plays, especially on the power play, his zone entry is almost automatic. He's so good at, at leveraging the length of his stride and, and the control of his reach. But then he kind of sometimes disappears. And, you know, he curls off to the edge and kind of lets some other guys do different things. Like the best players in the NHL are the ones that are attacking. They wait until that moment where they have you reacting to them and then they pass the puck. Danielson is one where he maybe goes 75% of the way. You know, you start to commit on him and then he kind of passes the puck a little early. So I'd like to see him control the puck a little bit longer, wait on those longer plays, um, just have the confidence to be that guy in those moments to, to, to really test the boundaries of other people. I think you saw that for him at Brandon quite a lot. And you saw that with him in, uh, you know, at the, like the top prospect game and stuff too. I thought he showed a lot of those same tendencies, but that's, it's cor- like, it is correctable. It's not something like when I describe him as a player, there's those things where I go like they can't do it. And there's things where like they don't do it. And so with him, he doesn't do some of those things, but I don't for a second believe that he can't. And so I think it's just tweaks to his game, adjusts to those game. He's somebody that I, I put in the same camp as somebody like uh, Michael Backlund, who's somebody who like maybe struggled and wasn't producing as much as you wanted him to at the NHL level. And so you really work with him. And the more that you work with him because he's a smart player, he starts to get better every year. Just a little better, a little better, a little better. And then he becomes that play driving two-way centerman that you really like. And so I think there's a high floor with him because he has the pace and the handles and all those things. 
And I think there's a realistic uh, potential for him to step into those things, but it's going to come with him being aggressive. It's going to come with swagger. It's going to come with him really pressuring guys in all situations on the puck and not just swooping by. He's got to get more aggressive. And I think he's in a good spot to do it. I think Detroit's going to do him well. So would I, did I think he went a little high? Yes. Is he kind of a rare asset and you put him with goal scorers and he learns that extra little bit? Can he be a dynamic uh, NHL player? Yeah, he can. It's a fun gamble. It's a, if there's guys to gamble on, he's one that is a fun gamble. Joel, this has been, <laughs> this has been really great, man. You obviously know your stuff when it comes to WHL players and the, the pleasure has been all ours having you on. If anyone who's listening is really digging what you're laying down, where can they find your work, man? Uh, so we put out articles all the time. Uh, if you guys have never heard of puck preps, um, it is one that targets um, players with the imagination that they're all going to go to the NCAA. So when we talk about uh, players and their value, we talk about them as their junior value or their NCAA value. We don't talk about them as future NHL players. So, but we are evaluating. If you go to our site, we've got lists of top 300 players in every birth class. Um, all these kids that are uh, unexpected to other people, we've seen them hundreds of times. So you can go there and see my game reports, my rankings for the for the Western kids uh, upcoming as well, and uh, and for every region in North America. So please go; it's worth the subscription. I can't uh, I can't say that enough. And if you really want to target the draft eligibles and see that content as well, uh, I'm a part of Future Considerations, and there's there's always just new good reports um, targeting those kids in Western Canada. And uh, you know, between myself, Dinesh, and a handful of others, um, you get some really great reports on some of the next kids coming too. Awesome. Right on. Well. We miss you at Dauber Prospects, bud, but I'm glad you're uh, still laying out great content. So thanks very much for, for coming on the episode. Miss you too, buddy. Well, that's it for another episode, everybody. Thank you very much for listening to Dauber Prospects Report number 29. For feedback on the show or to chat with us, give us a follow on Twitter or X at DPR underscore show, at Farling, at Victor Nuno 12, at Sabarin 91. We'll be opening up a mailbag segment on some episodes. So if you've got mailbag questions about fantasy prospects, draft eligible prospects, scouting, any of the things that we generally talk about on this show, if you want to have us focus in on one particular player league or a trade that you've been offered or want to make, hit us up, shoot as a message. You can use any of those Twitter handles, but at DPR show would probably be the best one to make sure that it gets on to an episode. Don't forget to follow HockeyPodNet for all the great podcasts on that network. And please subscribe to the show on iTunes or Spotify or whatever podcast, podcast aggregator you choose. And um, if you really want to win some, some positive fantasy hockey karma, go ahead and drop us a five-star review. And I'm sure you'll win your week or your entire league. Too. Thanks very much, everybody. Keep your sticks on the ice. Let's do that hockey. Hockey.